Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer is a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Okay, Shelvies, welcome to a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. It's a Thursday, and you know what that means. We have a new guest for all of you, and we are so, so excited. I mean, we cannot believe it took some doing, it took some rescheduling, but we finally have her on the podcast, because what you don't know behind the scenes is like sometimes things happen because <laughs> have to reschedule. <laughs> But she's finally here and we are so, so excited. She co-wrote under the USA Today bestselling pen name, Kennedy Fox, and that alone already tells you who she is. She is a hopeless romantic who enjoys creating characters who eventually find love. And she's on YouTube chatting about her self-publishing journey and also has multiple podcasts as well that you can dig into after listening to this one. Please like and subscribe. Remember, so that you don't miss a single episode. Oh my gosh, did I just promote us while promoting the author? Okay, so she joined the indie community in 2011 and decided to write romance in 2013. And from then to now, many, 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 many books have come from that. And we love her and all her projects. And we can't wait to read her latest. Please welcome to the podcast, Lyra Parrish. Yay! Oh my gosh, thank you for that introduction. That was amazing. I'm going to bring you places before I do conferences and let you introduce me every time. <laughs> I am happy to tag along. I mean, all you have to do is feed me. Done. I love to eat. I'm like, and here, here is Kate and she's going to introduce me. So that was awesome. Thank you. Well, no, so happy to be here. You are so, <laughs> yes. so welcome. And we are so honored to have you on. And really to come from the perspective of being an indie author is actually so, so important because um, I'm sure like now, even now, there's so many authors who are becoming hybrid authors and um, debuts who are maybe thinking, no, that's not too traditional. Let's do it myself, you know? So it's so good to have you here. And can you tell us a little bit more about yourself beyond the bio that we put together? Sure. Yep. Um, I did not grow up wanting to be an author. I went to business school. My degrees are in finance and economics. I was a corporate accountant for 10 years before I quit my job to write full-time. And um, I always tell people that I didn't find writing. Writing found me randomly while I was hiking with my husband. I just was like, you know what? I want to <laughs> write a book. And he was like, but you're not a writer. And I was like, I know that's going to be the fun part. And so, um, you know, I always hear stories of, of authors and they're like, oh, I knew when I picked up a crayon, I was going to be a writer, you know, and that's just, it's not my story. Um, however, there were people in my life who encouraged me to, to write and pursue writing. My high school English teacher, I had two professors in college and, you know, they just tell you that creatives don't make money. So get a real job, you know? <laughs> And so um, I also love the theater. And so I have as many theater credits to probably be a theater major as well. But um, yeah. I 
did not want to do this all of my life. And I'm glad that I did because it's really introduced me to um, a lot of amazing people, a community that hasn't always existed. We're so lucky to be able to be self-published authors and have control of our books and our stories and have the access and the ability to put those stories on the internet for um, thousands, if not millions of people to read. So yeah, I have a YouTube channel, The Courtney Project, where I literally talk about self-publishing a lot. I need to get back to making more videos. Um, I've been on like a little small hiatus, just trying to figure out my life. Um, but yeah, I, I love to self-publish. I love to create worlds. I love writing romance. Um, I didn't start off writing romance. I started off writing young adult fantasy books. Um, and I love fantasy. I love young adult, but I struggled to finish the project because love stories was always like intertwined into my worlds. Um, and I didn't realize that I was a romance writer until one of my friends pointed that out to me. So um, if it wasn't for people encouraging me to be like, hey, you know, you're writing romance and you're not calling it romance. Why don't you just actually write romance? That's not young adult and holding yourself back. Um, then I don't know if I would really be here today. So yeah, uh, I've just finished writing and will publish my 52nd book um, in about two weeks. And I've already started the next one. So yeah, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Good for you. Yeah, and, and we're happy that you are not because we want more books. <laughs> yes. <Yay. you> want. <laughs> So yes, please. I will continue to feed your habit. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> Thank you. We, we, we are so happy to be enabled. And uh, yes, I love that. So we are so excited for really, seriously, it's like an automatic buy and a need. A need. Oh, yay. <laughs> I love that. More, please. And so, speaking of, because like you said, you've already, you're about to publish your 52nd book. So, mm -hmm. And we're here to talk about shelf books. So what is the shelf book project that you want to share with us? Oh, okay. So I have several. I might be a little different than most people that you've had on the podcast, but um, the first book that I wrote, The Young Adult Fantasy, is shelved, but that's not even the one that I'm going to talk about. Um, it will never see the light of day, and I'll just say, because it's it when you're a new debut author, you think that you're going to write a 40 book series um, and uh, it's just not reality. And so I knew that I would not commit to the project. So it's, it's just, it was the book that I learned how to write on essentially. Um, but I shelved my entire backlist for Lyra Parrish, um, eight full length. Well, it's five full-length novels and three novel, novel novellas. Excuse me, words are hard. Um, <laughs> three novellas, so it's eight books that are shelf. So my actual debut novel, Week for Him, it's the first book in the Weakness series, is currently shelved. Um, it's like a 60,000-word romance book. It's the first book of a trilogy. And yeah, I decided in 20... It was either 2019 or 2020. Those years are kind of blurry for me. Um, I shelved my entire backlist. So they're currently not available for sale. They, I've got the books on my shelf. So they actually existed. Um, some readers asked me if it was a fever dream, if, if 
you know, did those <laughs> books actually exist? What happened to them? Um, but yeah, they're they're not available for sale right now. So what happened to cause the decision to to shelve an entire? Yeah, it was it was a hard decision. Um, when I first started writing romance, I wrote in first person past tense. Mm -hmm. And when I started co-writing, I started in first person present tense. So the bulk of my work and where I really learned who I was as an author and my voice as an author, it changed. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want people to read all these books that I had written and be like, oh, wow, these are incredible. I love this style. And then go back and read my backlist and be like, uh, a totally different person wrote this. You know, I don't, I don't like this. I'm not going to read anything Lyra Parrish writes because it's just not what I expected. And so I made the hard decision to unpublish them. If you go on my YouTube channel, I recorded the whole thing. I recorded myself pressing unpublish on the books, going through the reviews, being a little nostalgic about it. And they were supposed to come back, but I just didn't have time to deal with them. So yeah, they're still off the internet. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge because like coming from, and, and I think it works because you have control over your, because if you're traditionally published, you can't just say, you know, shell my backlist, please. Right. You know, because I feel like they're going to keep, especially if you are, if if let's say you've made it and you're selling X amount of copies, then they're gonna they're gonna want to promote your backlist as well because it's exactly. Like, hey, guess what? And so coming from that, it's like I guess that this, you know, I just want to I just want to see like the night before you were about to. That what were the feelings that were going through you, like you know, as you made that decision of I'm gonna hit unpublish tomorrow? I, you know, I thought about it for a long time. I was like, I could just, you know, take a few off and and rewrite them and put them back, and nobody would probably even notice or whatever. But you know, it was almost relief in a way. It was almost like wow, I've got all these people on YouTube who are watching me talk about self-publishing and then they're going and reading my debut novel and they're like, this is crap. Why should we listen to what she has to say? You know, um, and and people have said that. Uh, and I just, it was, it was relief for me because I knew that they were judging me on the books I wrote in 2013, which at this point is a decade ago. And I've written a mil millions of words, not even exaggerating since then, um, and really know who I am as an author. And it was just like, see, now you, you have to read the most current stuff. You can't judge me on what I wrote, you know, in my 20s. You can judge me on what I wrote last year. And if you have an opinion where you think it's crap still, go for it. I'm totally okay with bad reviews. I'm, I'm okay with people you know, giving me creative criticism or any sort of criticism. I have a pretty thick skin, um, but I wanted to be judged on what I'm capable of now, what not what I was capable of then. And so that was really important to me to bring it up to a different level. And once I got rid of that dead weight, all they could 
read and judge me on was essentially my current works, which I was super proud of. And that's not to say that when I published those books back in 2013, 2014, and 2015, that I was not proud of them. Um, actually, 2014, 15, and 16. I wrote the first book in 2013, though. Um, it's not to say I wasn't proud of them. And it, at that point in my life, it was the best that I could do. And I was so proud of those books. And I wanted every single person to read them. I didn't care. I gave away like 800 um, advanced review copies of my debut novel because I wasn't trying to make money. I wanted people to read my books, mm-hmm. you know, and as a debut author, you're not going to make money. Like you, you may be a unicorn and you may make a lot of money. Um, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to put myself out there. And so any, even now today, um, I'm releasing a book. It's the first solo book that I've released since 2016. So I kind of feel like a little debut author again. Mm -hmm. Um, Even now I do the same thing with this new series. I'm like, anybody who wants an arc, you can have one. I don't expect to make money. And I think that's when you do well, because, (laughs) (laughs) because with my debut novel, the first month I sold 2,500 copies as a newbie. And, you know, for years of my life, I thought I had failed in that that book was a failure because all of my friends were making New York Times and USA Today and I didn't make a list, which, guys, you don't have to make a list to be successful. Let me just say that. Um, and so for years, I thought I failed. I was like, I failed. And seriously, like maybe 2021, 2022, someone had asked me, they were like, how many books of your first novel did you sell in the first 30 days? And so I went and looked and I was like, oh my, (laughs) oh my (laughs) gosh, I sold like 2,400 copies. Like if anybody today told me that they sold that on their debut novel, I would tell them that they were a success and they were probably going to go pretty far, you know, but I didn't tell that to myself Mm -hmm. when that happened. Um, but yeah, I, you, you don't realize where you're at with your first books until you have perspective and you look at it through a different lens once you've grown as an author. Mm -hmm. So you have to have that perspective to be able to say, oh, well, that's not my best work. But at that time, I would have fought anybody and told them it was the best book in the world all of them, every single one of them. I was proud of them all exactly the same. Um, So, you know, I don't want people to be discouraged and be like, oh, my book sucks, blah, blah, blah. No, it took me years to unpublish those after I had grown and written millions of words and really found out who I was as an author. So, yeah. So are those shelved forever or are you going to pick them up, mix them up a little bit, do your little magic and then put them back on again? That's always the question. They will be republished. I'm working working on them right now. Um, It's a lot of work to rewrite books that you wrote um, at the beginning of your author journey. It's it's hard. Um, There are sentences where I'm like, girl, you were amazing. And there's some stuff where I'm like, why are you telling so much? Like, you need to be showing here. This is so annoying to read. So, you know, those reviews that I got in the beginning, however, 
they made me feel some of them were very harsh um there was legitimacy to them and I can see that now then I couldn't you know because I'm like I'm new and they're just mean <laughs> you know and now I'm like no I agree 100% you are so right um and so yeah I'm I'm rewriting them I'm changing them from past tense to present tense first person and it's a job <laughs> it's a big job it is like just catching the verbs alone. It's yes. like, oh my God, all of the verbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my editor's going to have so much fun. My editor's <laughs> going to have so much fun because, you know, even today, sometimes I slip because when you're writing in first person present and first person past tense, like it's really easy to go between the two, yeah. you know, not even realizing that you're doing it. Um, so whoever I hired to edit these, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to pay you double. So, <laughs> so like, where did the decision to self-publish or be indie come from? Like, the, or did you try to go the traditional route or was it, you know, initially your intention to self-publish? So back in the day, um, 2011 is when I finished my first young adult fantasy book. I had entered this writing contest and I actually got a contract for the book, which is wild to me because I would have been embarrassed if it would have gotten published. Um, uh, but I wanted to just publish. I didn't know anything really about self-publishing. It wasn't what it is today. You know, in, in 2023, you have self-published authors on the bookshelves in Target. Um, you've got them on Book Talk tables in Barnes and Noble or any of those other bookstores around you. Um, so it's more prevalent today. More people are aware of it. More people are talking about it on the internet. Like we have a, a magnitude of information that you can find about self-publishing. When I first started, it wasn't like that. People weren't talking about self-publishing in Facebook groups. Um, people we we got our information from k boards or kindle boards i don't know if any of y'all are familiar with that um and you just kind of figured it out on your own yeah. you know so i self-published because i saw how crappy the small publishing company that wanted to sign my book i i saw behind the curtain mm -hmm. because i was helping them with marketing and i did not like what i saw and they ended up going out of business so i was um, I saw the red flags and avoided those, but it, you know, for me, it was like, wow, um, I don't get to really choose my editor. I don't really get to choose my cover It is what it is. And if it's crap, then I just have to take it on the chin and, and move forward with that. And there's not really anything that I can do about it. And I didn't really like that. And one of my really good friends who I'm still friends with at this time, um, she had just made New York Times as an indie author in the 2013 time period. And she was like, girl, just self-publish. <laughs> you were already doing all this stuff for the book anyway. All you have to do now is just put it on the internet and format it. So I learned how to format through Word. Um, all you newbie authors who have vellum, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. You have no idea how difficult it is to format page numbers in microsoft word yeah. it's awful i have gray hairs today because of it <laughs> <laughs> so awful 
but yeah, um, it was like, I just, I had people encouraging me and, you know, I was like, oh, well, I can do this and I don't have to give somebody 40% of my 70% that I'm going to earn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would like, I would very much like to do that. Uh, and so I was like, I'm going to be a self-published author, created a pen name because I didn't want people at my corporate job to know that I was writing ro- romance. Um, and the rest is history. How how do you feel that your corporate job actually helped you when it came to self-publishing? Because you had a lot of accounting and financial background. Do you think that really helped you? Um, I can build spreadsheets like no other. And so, <laughs> and so it does help with seeing expenses, knowing if my books are profitable, um, knowing when I break even with myself, because, you know, like if, if y'all, if the listeners are not aware, uh, the way that traditionally published publishing works is you get advances. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've had stuff with Kennedy Fox that we've sold to publishers. We've sold audiobooks and some sub rights and stuff. And so the way that it works is they'll give you an advance. They'll be like, Hey, here's $15,000 for these books. Um, and here's your money. You're going to get half now or in half when it's done, or they'll have a different terminology depending on the contract. And you don't really make anything until you pay off your advance. It's basically like a loan. It's like, hey, here's 15000 No, you're going to earn us 15000 plus more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a self-published author, I kind of do the same thing, but I just borrow money for myself. So if I say, hey, this book is going to cost me $5,000, well, that money is going to go back into the account and it's going to pay itself off. And then whatever it makes after that, then, you know, it breaks even and that money can be spent on whatever else. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm very number driven. Um, it's odd because most accountants that I know are just so boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> funny story. Um, I was an accounting major and I told my uh, professor, I was like, I need to switch majors because I just can't imagine myself hanging out with accountants for the rest of my life. <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? You're really good at this. And I was like, no. And then I became an accountant for a corporate corporation. And I was like, it's sometimes it, you just can't fight it. It finds you accounting and writing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's helpful. I, I'm really good at numbers. I've got the analytical and creative brain. So it's, it, it wasn't a waste of my time. Yeah, because yeah, I can I see how a lot of newbies would be, yeah. you know, when you're self-published, absolutely, when you're self-publishing, you're like, mm, I'm spending this money, I'm spending that money, like how much, should, even like, to the point of what price do I put my book up for, you know, like, all yeah. I tell people, you know, um, most places, if you're going to charge over $2.99, you're going to get a 70% royalty. If you charge less than $2.99, you're going to pay 70% to whoever you're publishing it from. So you're going to make 30%. And if you're not good at math, that means you're going to make 30 cents on every book that you sell for $1. Um, at that point, you might as well just give it away for free because um, you're going to have more people download it and more people read it and find you and discover you as opposed to the 99 cents where you're making 30 cents. Like you I can't agree. even, like there aren't even pay phones anymore. You can't even make a call for like a quarter. <laughs> so like, what are you going to do with that 30 cents? It's no, just give it away. Um, if you're selling your book for $3 and 99 cents, uh, you're going to make a 70% profit. So you're going to make $2 and 90 cents about 
So um, perspective is everything, knowing how much you're going to make. Like if you sell your book for $3.99, you're not going to get $3.99. You still have to pay the people who puts it out there. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, everyone does what they're going to do as self-published authors. You're the CEO of your own business. You can choose to sell it for 99 cents, but just remember the Courtney project said, just give it away. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love, I love that because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure because that can be, I think the business side of it can be very intimidating for authors, you know, because yeah. I have, I have met authors who just, they just want to write. They don't want to think about the the business side, which is why they go into <laughs> traditional publishing because yes. they can focus more on the writing. Even if nowadays it's not just about the writing, it's like you're also marketing your book and whatnot. You have to have a presence on social media and basically gone is the, the hermit writer. But I mm-hmm. feel like with coming from the information that you're sharing, especially with your YouTube channel as well. It's like, it's so accessible and so easy to grasp that it's makes the, what should be intimidating, not so much intimidating because it's like, yeah. okay, I think I can do this. And we all make mistakes. You know, that's the thing. Like I am really great at making mistakes, but it's always a lesson. It's a lesson like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do that the next time. Like I need to remember not to do that one thing or, you know, this actually works. So I need to probably try to do that one thing more. And what works for me may not work for someone else. Mm -hmm. And someone else may find something that just is amazing for them. And I try it and it, it doesn't work for me. So when it comes to the self-publishing industry, you just have to try things that you like to do. Um, I never encourage people to just, you know, go on TikTok and dance in your underwear. Like I will never tell someone to do that, to sell a book. Like you have to know your comfort zone and, and know your strengths and really play on those. And I think in this industry and in this realm of self-publishing, anyone can be successful if they have the trifecta I like to call it which is a really great cover an amazing blurb and a good book um and to just keep going you know I read yesterday that Colonel Sanders was rejected 1009 times before someone picked up his chicken recipe he didn't start making money until he was in his 60s um and he sold sold it when he was like like I think in his seventies or something, I I don't really remember, but he started making chicken in his forties. That's a good attitude to have. He he (laughs) persisted and, you know, now we get to eat at KFC. So thank you, Colonel Sanders. But, but, you know, we, you, you don't get the same rejection that you get in traditionally publishing, but, um, you still get re- rejected and you can't just think that self-publishing is going to be so easy and everyone's going to love your books. Like um, if you publish a bad book, it's a reflection on you and that's a lot of pressure and some people can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- Angie. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, no, I, I, no, because I think when, when self-publishing was new, um, it was so easy for everybody to just hit publish. You know, I think a yeah. lot of the books, especially when the new adult revolution was coming out, a lot of those books were just hit publish, go. You know, yeah. Because when you, because I like when you read the book, it's like, oh, but yeah, you didn't hire an editor. 
<laughs> no, exactly. But it made like it became it climbed the charts. It became bestsellers. That's why new adult became like a, a category for a hot minute. And I think now yeah. it's coming back. But because of that. But now I think self-publishing authors are are uh, they know that they I need to be savvier. I can't just hit pro, uh, publish anymore. It needs to come out as a package and not just. Okay, here's the book. I finished writing it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's still people who do that, though. Mm, yes. And Which then they're mad. the market, isn't it? Yeah, then they're <laughs> mad because their books don't do well. And they're like, yeah. I worked so hard. I made this cover in Canva. And I just, you know, put this thing through Grammarly. And I'm pissed. <laughs> I cannot sell this book for anything. And I'm like okay if you put your book next to the number one book on amazon in your subcategory people are going to be like Mm-mm, there ain't no way yeah. you know. just wait now you've got the chat gpt group coming up you oh, know no. That's interesting. oh yeah it's awful i went and tested it and i was like write me a romance book it was like oh my god debut <laughs> debut courtney would have been like this is crap you know <laughs> and so I'm not concerned about AI as far as like stealing readers. I'm concerned that scammers are going to take advantage of it to oversaturate mm-hmm. markets and yeah. trends and tropes. Yeah. Um, but readers are not stupid. Readers are very smart and they can they know in the first page if something is crap and they will not continue. So without the creativity and the ability to hook somebody and to write cohesive sentences it's just gonna be more crap on the internet and they're not gonna get read and they're gonna it's like I'm not concerned it's gonna take my job like I'm not worried that AI is the AI is coming like Terminator is not coming to take my job like I'm okay I'm good because when you have skills people know you know you're not, I don't think you're going to see an AI book that was completely written by AI in the first spot in Amazon. And if it happens 30 years from now, y'all, y'all are more than likely to come tell 80 year old me I was wrong. Um, you know, but I, I think that's what it is. So it's not, not yet. There's no way that, you know, the creativity is there enough, but maybe in yeah. 30 years, it'll be there, you know, but chat GPT really is just one big plagiarism, right? Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's a book created from reading a thousand books you know what I mean so yeah it's not it's not artificial intelligence yet yeah Yeah. you know it's it's not smart enough yet and people are depending on it though as if it is and I'm like it's a marketing tactic we've had this for years years remember ask Jeebs back in the day from Bing it's the same crap it's the same crap you know and so um I've tested it. I'm not, I'm personally not concerned yet. You know, if it gets smart enough where it can, you know, really tell a story, then I'll be like, okay, well, now I'm worried. Um, but it's not there yet. I think it's going to take a very long time. Like self-driving cars. It's the same. Yeah, we're still waiting for so yeah, those, those things are killing people. So um, no, I'm not concerned. It's the same AI that's driving you around mindlessly. Actually, we're gonna ask something. Oh yeah, I was just wondering, um, how many books do you write at one time? 
I am a one and done project type of girl. I will start a bunch of things and add them to my list. Mm -hmm. And then once I've got like a long list, I will start with the easiest thing it is for me to finish. Mm -hmm. So um, right now, I, I well, last week I had like five things that I needed to do five projects that I needed to do. I needed to write a bonus scene for a 10,000 word bonus scene for my book that's releasing in a couple weeks. I needed to write a 10,000 word newsletter builder for a super secret project that I'm doing with a group of authors. Need to write a 12 to 15,000 word <laughs> anthology piece for Color Theory 3 that's releasing in August. I need to finish writing the first draft of The Dark Romance, and I need to plot book two of my Valentine, Texas series. And so, and this is all in June. Like, I need to do all of this this month. It has to be done in June. Um, and so I wrote the bonus scene, got it edited, uploaded, it's done. I just finished the, um, the super secret project with a group of authors. Like, that's done. I'm doing my read through now. And now I'm plotting and starting the color three the color theory three anthology project and so I know that if I have a bunch of projects and I try to work in all of them at all different times I'll never finish anything Uh I, I will get overwhelmed I'll be like oh well I'm not getting anything done and you get that like that boost that happiness boost when you finish projects so my thing is like lay out the list that you have to do and knock it off the easiest way. Like the Dave Ramsey method of debt sno- depth snowballing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I do my projects. I'm like, oh, well, I've got all these five. These are the easiest ones. I'll knock them off. I'll get a, a boost, a happiness boost when I check things off my list and I'll just continue going. So um, some people can work on several different things. I'm not that person. I, I can work on them a little bit, but I have to start and finish things. I love that you're quoting Dave Ramsey. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the uh, author to do snowball task list <laughs> is what I call it. The smallest to the largest thing. Just knock the easiest thing off first. You'll you may be so have happy. wanted. You may have tried to run away from finance, but you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's <still> in you. <laughs> you know, usually people when I when I'm when I'm like, yeah, the debt snowball. That's how I do my to do list. They're like, oh yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, looking at the projects that you have done, thank you for ha- making some time for us. And oh, you're because, welcome. I mean, and, and so like, um, you are also an author who collaborates with other authors and published books with other authors. How did that come about, the, that, uh, the tandems and team-ups to create other stories? It was just kind of like a conversation, like, hey, um, at that point in both me and Brooke's lives, we were kind of like doing, we got scammed by an MLM, a multi-level marketing company, and we were in the same team. And we decided, like we stopped writing to do this stupid thing. And uh, then we decided, hey, we want to go back to writing. Well, let's, how about we write together? And that's that's essentially how it started. Um, With me and Lily, we love action films and so like guardians of the galaxy john wick like action films are like i love them the boys on amazon prime i love the boys i hope that one day i can write superheroes that are just 
as horrible as they are. Um, but you know, I, I just, I guess I just bond with people and she was like, Hey, we should write a, we should write a book. That's kind of like John Wick. And, um, but like in a academy type setting with like a strong female character. And it usually just starts with the conversation, um, with someone who thinks like you and has the same kind of like drive and personality. And so, yeah, it, it, it wasn't something that I ever planned to do. Um, I mean, I guess with Lily, we did kind of plan it, but I can't believe that book actually got published because we have been working on that since like 20, I don't even know, 2017, 2018. Um, And it just found its, its light of day. Even that cover is old. That cover was created like in 2018, I guess, 2019. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, That's how ahead of trend we were because now it fits in with all the other flower covers, but we had it before anyone had flower covers. So I'm like, you know, if, if we would have published it back then, it might've done better in sales, but it was more of like a passion project. Mm, um, collaboration isn't for collaboration. Isn't for the faint of heart. If you can't take criticism, if you're one of those people who has to control every little thing that you do, um, if you think that you are the best writer in the world and your ego is too large to take criticism, you need to just work alone. Yeah. Um, or you're going to be awful to work with. Yeah. So do you write a plot together before you start writing or do you just kind of one person writes a chapter and then the other person that teams off of what you wrote in the round robin? In the, in the beginning of Kennedy Fox, we did that kind of like for our first book, we would be like, okay, here's a chapter. Um, Brooke sent me like a chapter and then I sent her a chapter and we went back and forth like that. But, um, once we realized that, Hey, we can outline and actually work at the same time and get these books done quicker. That's when we started outlining. And, um, with me and Lily, we outline everything, um, beforehand. I don't think that I could ever co-write with someone without having an outline beforehand because pantsing and co-writing would be pretty difficult and you wouldn't get as much done. I'm very good at writing out of order as long as I have an outline. Um, I can, I can write, you know, chapter seven through nine and 14 through 20 and the end just by an outline. Nice. That's fantastic. So like Thank with, you. With, when you're collaborating like that, like the, the, is there ever like an instance where, uh, oh, this book's not working out, we need to shelve it, or chapter's not working out, needs to, sh- you know, is there is there that instance of like, okay, this is not working? No, I haven't found that to be an issue. Um, because after we, we, all the projects I've done with people, after it's, we have a first draft, we go through and we read it, and we do rewrites to make it all flow and mesh together as if one person wrote the book. Um, and you know, we've had chapters that haven't been great, that didn't hit the way that we wanted to and beta readers called that out and we just fixed it. Um, there's never been a point where it's like, Hey, you know, this book's just completely sucks because you basically have a built-in critique partner when you co-write. It's true. You know, you have someone who's going to be like, this ain't working. We need to fix this like right away. And so um, that's why self-edits with co-writing projects 
always takes me the longest because I'm not just critiquing myself as a critique per like I'm not being I'm not just being hard on myself I'm being hard on the entire project Mm -hmm. and so is the co whoever I'm co-writing with Mm -hmm. so it's like I typically I read the first draft and I mark it up so hard like and I'm okay with that because I know that it's going to make it better I mark it up whoever I'm co-writing with goes behind me and they either accept or reject my changes in word usually google docs because you can both be in it at the same time um accepts or rejects my changes and then they use suggestive changes as well and then once we get to the end we go back to the beginning and we go and we check all the suggestive changes that are still there um until there's nothing left and that's how i've worked with every person that i've worked with and then after that you go to an editor yep after we do our self-edit round which can typically take between depending on how long the book is if it's like cruel beginnings 116,000 words it's like a good 10 days and that's me working full-time on it Mm -hmm. um that's like eight to ten hour days that's not just like oh I did three hours this day no that is me working a full-time job doing self-edits reading through it rewriting it and making it flow um and yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process, but at the end of it, I think readers, you know, they appreciate that because it's cohesive. Yeah. And then when you do edits with an edit, how many rounds do you do with editors? Two rounds with editors and then a proofreader. Oh. So you're doing your job. That's what it means. It's like, you're actually, yes. you are self-publishing, but you're doing it as if you were traditionally publishing. And yes. that's why your books are so good. And that's why you're selling so well, you know, like good for you. Kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the difference between when we go to edits and when self-pub like traditional publisher or traditional authors go to oh. edits is their editor may be like, this chapter sucks. We're cutting it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if my editor told me that I would be like, I'm cutting you. Um, because I know that it's good and my standards are pretty high and so if if it's going to edits in my mind it is ready to go out to the world Um, it's harder to find an editor with dark romance because there are a lot of editors who will not touch things like that Um, but with my contemporary like I can find an editor any day of the week you know, they, they don't, they don't care. They're like, oh, it's contemporary. It's small town. Yes. I would like to go ahead and fit you into my schedule. Um, so if anybody out there is writing dark romance or romantic suspense, and you've got scenes that are, that, that need a, a trigger warning, then you need to look for your editor months and months in advance. Okay. So do you have a certain person, uh, certain editors that you typically go to, or is it something that you have a list and you kind of with whoever's available at the time out of a specific group that you know are reliable or um i've switched editors i you know i like to test people i feel like sometimes when i use the same editor over and over they get comfortable you know and they're like oh well i've i've edited her books since the beginning of time you know um, I think it's good to switch every once in a while to see, you know, how is your editor currently doing? <laughs> um, and so I have used one of my editors as an editor. I've used her as a proofreader. I am one of those authors that I like to switch it up. Like I'll have 
um, my editor edit one book and then I'll use a different proofreader and then I'll have that proofreader edit it and then I'll have my editor proof it. And so I'm okay with switching people around um, because I don't want anybody to get comfortable. And if they do a bad job, I don't create friendships with the people that I hire because I want to be able to be like, um, you did not do a good job and here's why. Uh, you, how do you want to proceed with this? Mm -hmm. um, it, that's the corporate black soul in me. That's <laughs> like, nope, this is a business, not a friendship. And I, if I am exchanging money with you, we are not going to be kiki and in my chat message. You know, um, we're going to have a professional relationship. So if I've got an issue, I will bring it to your attention. Mm -hmm. I love your attitude. I think that you're the first person that we've interviewed that actually treats this as a business, which it should be. And I feel like, yes. you know, like it's because all our creative sides are all like, oh, the sky is blue, the clouds are white and puffy. <laughs> and, but it's a business, you know, like it you is. do need what you're saying is so true. And I hope that all the listeners are taking this in because yeah. absolutely, you need to put your big girl panties on and say when something's not going well. So good for you. Yeah. And thank I you. And, and I, I do like, I have friends that are like, Oh, me and my editor, we joke back and forth. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to be friends with my editor. I like my editor. I will send care packages and be very thankful and grateful to my editors, my cover designers, anyone who works on, on my projects. I like I, I appreciate them. I really do because it's a group effort. You know, I'm steering the ship, but they're, they're, they're the one with the paddles and they're rowing me forward. Um, and you have to have a good team. And if, you're one of those people that needs to be besties with these people that you're hiring. It's not going to end well because people do not continue. I've found over the last 10 years of doing this, they don't continue at this high standard all the time. People get comfortable and they start being like, oh, well, I'm, I'm just gonna do this thing and then if you're friends with them it's much harder to be like that's not okay mm -hmm. you don't want to hurt their feelings at that point um for me I don't care it, it, that sounded harsh <laughs> I care I'm professional I'm not gonna be rude I'm not gonna treat someone like crap I'm professionally going to tell them that this is not okay yeah. and you have to be able to do that because there are individuals in this business coaches editors book designers formatters there are people who their job is to take advantage of you mm -hmm. that's what they do they take advantage of new authors and they will take your money with a smile on their face and not care yeah. and so you have to be able to realize when you're being taken advantage of and you're not getting what you're you paid for and you have to be able to stand up for yourself because you have to be the advocate for your books because nobody else cares as much as you do they're getting paid regardless if your book does well or not so I, if you if you're on amazon and everybody's saying hey these edits are awful and you paid a thousand dollars for edits fire your editor yes. you do not have to continue to use them there are a thousand other editors out there who are probably not that expensive who are going to do a better job i feel like you we just need to clip what you just said and just put it on like repeat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am okay. I am okay with firing somebody and everyone knows that about me. I'm very open about that. I'm like, if you don't do a good job, I will replace you. You are replaceable. You get paid my money and exactly. I can give that money to anybody else. And you, you work hard for it. So you expect the people that you give your money to, to work just as hard. And I, exactly. Totally, yeah. 
agree with that. Because no, the editor's not going to get blamed for a yeah. badly edited book. You no. are. Your yeah, face is on that. Yeah. You're, you, the readers will blame you for yeah. the things that people shorted you on. Yeah. I and I think the, the inverse also works like for authors because I, it, this has happened to me as well. Like when I get uh, an, an editorial letter and all I want to do is just people please and do everything that's suggested there, I will do, you know? But when in reality, what should be is like, if something, if there's an edit that you are not comfortable with, or is it still your work at the end of the day that you should push back against that suggestion? Because at the end of the day, it's a suggestion. It's not like a, this is the definitive thing that needs to happen in the book or else, you know? Absolutely. So it's- Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, some editors, their opinion is not the holy grail. I will reject a suggestion so quick if I don't agree with it. And it's not even a conversation. No is a complete sentence. (laughs) I love that. No, I'm not taking the suggestion. And if I get eaten alive in in reviews over that suggestion I didn't take, that's one that I'll take on the chin. It was your decision. Yeah. 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 I'll take it. I'll happily take it. I'll be like, my editor was right. I should have listened. Maybe next time I will. But <laughs> if I don't agree with it, it's still going to be no. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and we should take a page out of that book, really. Because <laughs> even in traditional, it is a business. And mm. decisions are being made. And the author needs to be more proactive. Because sometimes what happens is, oh, they paid me money. So now I must, you know. So it's kind of that. That, mm-hmm. that um, you're beholden because you are because they picked your book out of the many that was submitted to them. And so it can be so daunting, especially if you're a debut author or just starting out and it's hard to be like, no, this is what I want and this is what I'm gonna do, you know? So it's kind of that. And being able to hear that from you is so refreshing. And so mm-hmm. um, really taking notes here, <laughs> that's that's what we are doing. And we are so glad that it's recorded because now we can watch it over and over. Right? Uh, <laughs> Because, yeah, because sometimes we forget that. We forget that it's your book. You wrote it. It's your story. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the editor is just there to help it along. It's not really the, oh, you know, I made the suggestion. You have to take it. Exactly. Yeah. And even in traditional publishing, at the end of the day, it's your name on that book. And they're not going to say like, oh, I'm just never going to read another Penguin book. They're going to say, no, I'm never going to read a blank author's name, you know, book because it doesn't suit you so exactly I went to a conference um a few weeks ago and there was a woman there I can't recall her name but she said that you know she was published by I think it was Hushette is who she said and she was like um the book is not well edited they gave me like a, a new editor there's typos all in it you know they made suggestions wow. that just weren't great and she had to do it because they paid for that book and so you know, with traditionally publishing, you're not really going to be able to push back. You're mm-hmm. going to have to be like, sure, <laughs> I'll, I'll, sure, I'll rewrite all 15 chapters that you don't like, you know, um, and you might not get the best editor that they have there. You might get a junior editor um, and you just you, there's not really anything you can do. It, you don't want to argue with your publishing house about something if you're not calling Hoover, mm-hmm. you know. 
if you're a new author, they're going to be like, she is awful to work with. And we are Mm -hmm. never signing another one of her books. She needs to go Mm self-publish, you know? So you have to know your audience. (laughs) You have to know your audience. If you're a traditionally published author arguing and just being, you know, an awful, horrible diva drama queen, like (laughs) you signed a contract, just do what they say. You know, unless it's just completely unrealistic. But as a self-published author, be the diva you want to be. With respect. With respect, though. Like, I can't say that enough. Like, I respect everyone that I work with, even if they do a crappy job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but don't don't be awful. Don't be that person. Um, but if someone does you wrong and doesn't give you what you pay for, have the balls to step up and say that, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be taken advantage of. No, and, and readers are the same. I mean, they bought the book, they have ownership of the book, and if it's yeah. crappy, they will tell you it's crappy. Mm-hmm. Because, or return it. They'll return know, it. They don't oh, care. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Can we please stop? The, oh, and by the way, can we please stop the whole I like the book, I read the book, I will return the book? Don't do that. Please. If you like the book, keep the book. Don't, yeah, I'm hoping Amazon. I'm hoping Amazon actually does what they say they're going to do and stop all those returns like that. So, yeah. you know, but people are going to be shady regardless. They'll find yes. a way to get rid of it and get their money back. True. So true. Nature so of the bad. business. Yeah, that's true. And is it true? Um, Because I, I heard like in terms of traditional um in, uh, indie publishing is that uh, all you really need to have to to make a living out of traditionally uh, in uh, indie publishing is to have like the 1000 true fans that if you have like the 1000 true fans and that they're there to buy your books then you're okay moving forward I mean I don't know if that's still true I heard that back in the day but the thing is is I feel like readers are cyclical they come and go um and I I can even say that about myself you know in my 20s I read nothing but young adult fantasy if you told me that these ex these authors this list of authors was released in a book I was going to buy it no matter what because they were releasing the book Mm -hmm. am I still buying their books today no I don't read that anymore you know and so I think that there's this thing where indie authors are like I've got my 100 my 1000 true fans but those 1000 fans drop off every year um, during COVID, we had a surge. Self-publishing, all publishing had a surge. You know, TikTok, we had a surge. Um, people who read my books in the beginning, I don't think that even half of them are still around reading romance. And so that's why you have to look at your books as a business and you have to be like, oh, are these covers still on trend? If they're not, you need to change them because you need to be looking for new readers every day, you know, because people are falling off, not Mm -hmm. like falling off like morbidly. Um, They're just maybe not reading romance anymore or maybe they're just really into Netflix and like Bridgerton is their thing and they would just rather like binge movies, you know, you know, so it's not like they're falling off and they may come back, but you know, I have maybe handfuls of people who have been with me from the beginning, the rest of them. I don't even know if they're reading anything and the same for authors. Like there are indie authors that the only reason I know they exist is because I have their books on my bookshelf their existence on the internet is gone. Um, So people shift in and out all the time. 
And so you can never get comfortable like, oh, I've had a thousand pre-orders. Life is great. I've got my thousand readers. Um, you might not have the same reader the next book. They may have read your book and been like, I'm done with her. <laughs> you know? So you have to always think about it like, oh, this is a new book. I need to find new readers for this book. After you've already got people captured, your readers captured, you've got your people who will follow you till the end of the earth. I call those super readers. Um, they'll stay with you forever, but not everyone will be a super reader. And you can't get too comfortable in this industry because it's always changing. Um, you mentioned that you're uh, changing covers. Is that something that you do regularly? Like where you, where the covers uh, trends change and then you change the covers for your books? Or Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a business. Mm -hmm. Who cares if you like your cover? Does the new reader that just started reading romance yesterday, like your cover that was made 10 years ago? Probably not. They're going to be like, Ooh, I'm not reading this. Look at this cover. It's dated. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you have to be able to look at your books and be like, does this package still have the wow factor on today's market and if it doesn't you need to change it don't be married to your covers don't be married to your blurbs I tell people all the time oh your books aren't selling change your cover change your blurb it's wow. usually the first problem if you change your cover and you change your blurb and it's still not selling you wrote a crappy book and you just need to rewrite it or you need to unpublish it and shelf it forever and write another book that's the same trope you know you can't be afraid to make changes your, your readers will complain. Oh, but I love that cover. Well, great. You can still buy it off my website, but for the general public, we're just going to go ahead and change this cover for everyone else who hasn't read me yet. It's not for right. you. It's for the people who don't know me yet. Um, you know, I, I hate it when authors will change covers in the middle of a series and I have purchased paperbacks of like the first two and I can't complete my series like that is the most biggest thing that I hate about it it's such a big pet peeve but the thing is is like I understand from a financial and business aspect that those covers weren't selling books for them and they deserve to be successful and if I purchased the book it was so great I purchased the paperbacks I am okay with them changing their covers so more people can discover them nice. because those books had to have been great if I bought them, you know, so I'll just buy, I'll buy book one and two again, I guess, with the new cover, <laughs> I guess, you know, just so I can complete my collection like a squirrel hoarding nuts or something, but um, it has to look nice on the shelf. So yeah, you have to. I know, I know, but you know, readers it's hard sometimes for readers to understand that it is a business and if authors are changing their covers there is a reason for that right. and if you really love that off author you should support them doing that because they're just trying to reach more people Thank at you. the end of the day see now on that 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 is like a beautiful way to like cap that this discussion off because really it's this is, has been a master class of like how to self-publish your book and, what, and, and, the, and the things you can learn from Courtney Lyra. And, and the thing is you know I think at the end of the day I, every author has I think there, there's a bigger and bigger percentage now of authors who are really considering going indie and 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 um publishing themselves or and sometimes maybe a book was rejected traditionally and then they're like, no, I, you know, I'll just put it out there. 
myself and I think a lot of people are considering that now especially like you said there are there's technology now that makes it easier to DIY the whole um, you know the whole process and there are yeah. people that can be hired and so it's just thank you so much for sharing yes. <laughs> all of that with us because really I mean because Angie and I were traditionally published but at the same time it's like now more than ever you're like hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And the good thing about traditionally published authors is you obviously know how to write a story. If you can get a contract, you can write a story that readers are going to read, you know, and there are my friends who started off traditionally published. They got their rights back from their publisher, rewrote the book and made $10,000 on a book that hasn't made $5 in the last decade, you know, so it's all about packaging when it comes to self-publishing. And if you're traditionally published, you obviously can tell a story. So you would, you have the talent and the ability to do well self-publishing. If you look at the market, you know, you have to try a little bit harder. I know it's oversaturated. That's what they keep saying, Yeah. but you know, um, make sure you have a newsletter as a traditionally published author and when you decide to self-publish, contact your readers. It's really yes. simple to contact them. You know, have a Facebook page. I've had traditionally published authors tell me, oh, I don't, I'm not getting a Facebook page. Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? Get a newsletter and ask your publisher to put it in the back of your ebook. Okay? Mm-hmm. Capture your readers. They will follow you to the end of the earth if you told a good story. So true. Very, very true. Very, very true. So use it as a stepping stone. You can be both. You can be hybrid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, you have changed many. I feel like you've changed many minds today, including your <laughs> own, I think. <laughs> so now I will segue now into Christy's 10 speed wrap questions. Christy, take it away. Absolutely. So these are really easy questions, top of your head answers. It can be a one yes, no, it can be paragraph, page, whatever you feel like answering. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. All right. The first one is if you were asked to move to the Mars colony tomorrow, would you go? Absolutely not. My husband's an astronomer and Mars is not the planet that people need to be on. Um, (laughs) We need to fix Earth. You know, why go to Mars where there's no oxygen? That's stupid. I don't want to <laughs> live in a, I don't want to live in a bubble. No, no way. Good you couldn't pay good me answer. billions to go to Mars. No way. <laughs> Number two is, would you rather cook the meal or clean the kitchen? Cook the meal. I hate cleaning. Oh. I know. I hate that too. And it's, I don't Number three, if you were to pick the, how do you pick the next book you're going to read? Do you judge the book by its cover or do you go by friend's recommendations? Oh man, so on the podcast, uh, I'm just going to plug it here, Spread Those Pages podcast with Meg Latour. We talk about romance books. It's usually me and Meg going, hey, what about this one? I don't even read the blurb. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I I just need to know the trope. Usually with the trope, I'm good. I'm like, she's like, it's vampires. And they have, there's like, it's a, why choose vampire romance? Okay, I'm in. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) Have you you ever left a play or a movie mid-showing? No, I usually just kind of sit through it if I don't like it. <laughs> Would you do the same thing with books too? Like if you start a book and you just don't like it, do you feel compelled to read it to the end? In my 20s, I did. In my 30s, I will I will DNF it. 
Yeah, I'm the same one. Not enough time for those, so. Exactly. Which, which emoji do you use the most? Oh, man. Um, probably the sparkle. Oh, I think most people use hearts and stuff, so good for you. That's good. Um, what odds do you give yourself of surviving a zombie apocalypse? Oh, it's going to be 50-50. I'm clumsy. I'm very clumsy. I'll probably take off running and fall and then they'll like devour me very quickly. <laughs> what do you wish you could spend less time on? Oh man. Um, we'll say sleep. If I feel like if I didn't have to sleep, like if I was like a vampire and could just be like up all day and all night, I would get so much more done. Good. I was gonna say cleaning personally, but sleep is good too. Cleaning is good too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Do you have a favorite sports team? Dallas Cowboys. Yay, good. Dallas hockey team did well this year too. <laughs> what was your first job? Like very first, like teenager kind of job? Um, I worked at Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Um, I, could, I could have made a, a, a mean blizzard and dip cones. I didn't eat ice cream for like five years after that. <laughs> and then the last question, which is like really intellectual is, do you have more than a hundred unread emails in your inbox right now? Yes. I'll tell you the exact amount. Hold on. You're going to, you're going to be like, oh my God, I have 1,730. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you so much for answering those questions. You're welcome. Hey, Shelby, how many unread emails do you have in your inbox? Share with us in the comments down below and, you know, other and your other answers to Christy's questions. I love it. She switched it up this time. I love it when she switched it, switches it up because I have answers that I want to share. So share with us in the comments down below. Let us know what your answers are because Christy is ever evolving and ever changing up those questions so thank you so much uh for being with us today lyra i mean we are just floored we i really seriously you even saying yes was like oh Aww, thank <laughs> so you i'm honored to be here i'm so honored to be here it's been so much fun hanging out with y'all thank, thank you. you thank you so much and you know so where can they find you on the internet so I am Lyra Parish everywhere on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube at The Courtney Project where I talk about all things self-publishing, my journey. I give tips and tricks. I go, um, I do these cover reviews for other indie authors and kind of like do a comparison of their covers with the current market. And you can just learn a lot with marketing and, you know, hear me talk about things that I've done great and things that I've pretty much failed completely on um i'm an open book uh always you know if anyone has any questions i'm not a gatekeeper i don't believe in that um you can always message me on facebook or instagram and yeah i'm, I'm in all the places i mean uh, an awesome follow on instagram by the way that's nsfw artwork oh, I, I i want to see the rest of it <laughs> Oh my were... gosh. I know everyone's like, can you please show us the bottom half? And I'm like, do you want to get me banned before I release? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not playing into this game. I, I, I want one. I want one. That's what I'm going to do. Like, seriously, it's, it's, 
it's just and, and it's it's beautifully done by the way especially when you when you show it like in the sunlight i'm like oh <laughs> oh yeah um do i have one in here i did at some point oh, oh what did i do with it no i i don't know what i did with it it was what i showed everybody on youtube the other day i didn't show them the full piece i had to like blur the bottom part out but i don't know what i do with oh here it is apologies um let me make sure that I get the. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, it's on pearl paper, so it's like metallic kind of. Um, nice. Yeah, this is kind of like a thing that romance authors do. They'll do not safe for work artwork, um, and so the bottom half is uh, spicy, um, and then on the back it's just kind of got like you know a blur, my blurb, and then like places where people can follow me but yeah cool. have fun with it it's self-publishing you can do whatever you want nice <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so very sold so what are you working on now i am currently working on marketing my book uh, that's coming on june 13th of 2023 i know this episode might come up after then it's called Bless Your Heart. It's the first book in the Valentine, Texas series. Um, it's a small town, contemporary romance, enemies to lovers, best friends, older brother, and it's a complete standalone with a happily ever after. Perfect. Oh, already adding it. Yep. It's, it's, it's available for pre-order already, right? Yes, it is. It will also be in audio format. Um, sometime this summer, I, I've got some amazing narrators that are going to do such a good job. I can't wait to announce it. And it's also being self-published and translated um, into German, French, and Italian. And those will come this summer as well. Wow. Girl, I'm a publishing house. I am a publishing house. I will get all the things out there myself. Beautiful. Oh, I see goals. Goals. That's right there. It's goals. <laughs> And, you know, and like I said, we have learned, we have listened, we have learned, and let's hope that we understood. That's, I think, <laughs> the most important. And we can execute. Yes. <laughs> no, the understanding comes and then the execution follows. So <laughs> understanding must happen first. So, Naira, thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you. Are just, thank you. We are, we are so honored and, and we are, ah, I just already i can't wait for this episode you're listening to this already the episode has aired but seriously i can't wait okay shall we come on come on let's do this and if you haven't subscribed yet hello what you waiting for and just like authors we are authors but we need five star reviews as well so if you can leave us a small five star review it actually helps people find us it helps the algorithm pick us up you know we're courting the algorithm gods as we speak. <laughs> Angie is su doing such a great job of, of courting the algorithm gods, but with your help, they may shine upon us even more. So please, please. And if you have a, if you are listening to it, rec recommend it to a friend, take us hiking, leave us on in the background. Really, you know, we have everything for you here, every author that you can think of, and we are just expanding that list ever so much and we are so happy that we get to do this and we get to uh, share this content with you every week so we are your hosts Kate and Angelista 
Angie Sandro. And Christy Berman. And remember, everybody, keep on writing. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Laura. Bye. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was awesome. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting, and so are we.